Injury takes you out of the game. It's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Soy Emanuel Reynoso y estamos escuchando Song of the Dunes. Afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson, and I am at last once again joined by Callum Williams, with whom I have not spoken for a bit. Cal, you've been uh, gallivanting about the world. Um, can you update us a little on your your travels, what you've gotten to do, and you have some exciting new news about Sirius XM, I believe, to talk about? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, it came thoroughly unprepared that we were going to talk about this um <laughs> you know I, this, I like to spring it on you so <laughs> uh well that's often the best way to do it isn't it um yeah yeah no I, yeah it has been it's been a while hasn't it since we've done one of these together um yeah, yeah no I've, I've been um gallivanting w- within the country for sure um right. would have the, the preference would have been to have done it globally but you know covid is still a bit of an issue in certain parts of the world so sure. uh, i have been on the uh, the Colmibol limited Dores, and, and that's why, uh, for those still wondering, um, why I wasn't doing the DC United game uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, because uh, I was on the, uh, what game was I doing that day? I was doing uh, Flamengo against Barcelona, and prior to that, it was Palmeiras against Atletico Mineiro. Um, and again, for, for those un- unaware, the Copa Libertadores is essentially the South American version of the Champions League, um, and uh, the football is beautiful. Um, it, it's so... It's so South American. And what I mean by saying that, Steve, is that there's, there's a certain edge to it. There's a flair to it, for sure. Um, there's, there's, there's endeavor. Um, it, it's so exciting to do. And, and the fact that the crowds are now starting to reappear at a certain percentage in the stadiums in South America, it's, um, it, it makes it even more enticing. So it's been great fun. Uh, the plan is to, to do the final. I'm doing both finals of the Europa League equivalent and the Champions League equivalent um, in, uh, in Montevideo in, in Uruguay at the end of November. Uh, that's the plan right now, but we'll, we'll wait and see with COVID and what have you. So we'll, we'll wait and see. I have a sneaky suspicion it'll probably be a game from off, off, off tube in, in Miami or somewhere along those lines, but we'll, we'll see. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of Sirius, yeah, it's, um, well, it's finally out there. We've been sort of waiting for a while now. Uh, I'm joining Sirius XM uh, as one of the, the main uh, sort of soccer people, if you will, um, and uh, starting off with a, a Monday night show, which is exclusively about the Premier League in England. So uh, I certainly won't struggle to talk about that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been good. I had my first show uh, earlier on this week uh, with a chap called Janusz Mahalik, uh, who is an ex-United States international. Um, and we'll go from there, Steve. I know Sirius have got some really good plans, so I'm excited to be a part of, of them. Um and, uh, you know, with, with the sort of the cloud of uncertainty um, hovering over the, the broadcasting situation in Major League Soccer, um, once the new TV deal is done, whatever it looks like, uh, we still have absolutely no idea. 
uh, I thought it was a good opportunity to get myself involved in, in national radio. So uh, you know this, and, I, and I'm fairly convinced the listener knows this as well. I, I, I love radio. Radio is my first love. It's where I've come from. It's where the majority in England get their starts. Um, and I've never lost the love for radio. Whenever we get, whenever we, in inverted commas, get bumps when ESPN or Fox come in to do one of our games and we end up doing the radio, more often than not, serious tends to pick us up. And people always say to me, oh, you know, you, you're disappointed you're not doing the game on TV. And my answer every single time is, no, I'm not, actually. I, I love radio. It's a great chance to, to continue to be a radio broadcaster as well as a TV broadcaster. So uh, they're very different broadcasts, so it keeps me sharp as well, and, and I enjoy that. Um, so, yeah, it's been a busy few weeks um, away from Minnesota United. And, and this week has obviously been busier as well. It's been the lighter of, of the last couple of weeks for sure. But obviously we, we, as a club, as an entity, have had some good news as well over the course of the last few days, haven't we? So it's, it, it's been a good week, Steve. It's been a good period for sure. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into some of that news uh, coming up here in a moment. Yeah, the radio thing is really fun. I think that it's uh, – I, I was a DJ in college, and then obviously I think I, I spent some time doing um, a regular podcast with uh, 1500 ESPN. Uh, Score North back when it was 1500 ESPN did a, a Timberwolves podcast that was through the, through the radio station. And, um, there, you know, I, I feel like radio has maybe come back to the fore a little bit because of, of podcasts and things like that and the way that people consume um, – you know, media on TV, uh, it's obviously a little harder necessarily to find what you want to watch. You got to buy a bunch of different packages, um, yes. you know, and then as you consume your regular TV, I was uh, explaining to my children who are huge fans of this show called Bluey. It's an uh, Australian kids show, which is great. I highly recommend any parent check out Bluey. It's tremendous. Each episode is only like seven or eight minutes. So they're sort of, they're sort of bite-sized. Um, I was explaining to them that when I was a kid, every day I, I got to watch one episode of Transformers and that was it. There wasn't another one right after it. For them, it's like if they start watching Bluey, they could watch 100 episodes in a row and no one would ever stop them from doing it. And so that's sort of the way we consume stuff. It's kind of nice with podcasts because it happens sort of on a weekly basis. Most of the time you, you know, you get like a regular podcast. I think radio has some of that same thing. And I think it, it, it lends itself to a sort of more expansive um, you know, thoughtful uh, kind of communication. I mean, TV has its has its merits, but you know, having appeared on TV a couple of times, you do get jammed into these quick segments. It's like bam, bam, bam. We have this long. You have thirty seconds. You have to get through this thing. And you know, I, I think radio sometimes affords you a little more a little more room to sort of to work through things, which is really nice. Couldn't agree with you more, Steve. And not to to bore the listener here and make it a, a broadcasting podcast, but it's. Um, it, it really is. Um, radio is still very much, I would argue, sort of still very raw in itself. Um, it's sort of like the last last bastion of broadcasting, if you will. You know, the television has become very commercialized, and I understand why. Sure. Um, and especially in this country as well, where, where you're right, you and I have done one or two little segments together over the years on television, and, and I feel like I may have asked you a question. I'll be lucky if I get a second one in because right. it's just so... <laughs> Um, so restricted in terms of time, uh, often overproduced as well, which I understand why it, it's people watching their own back and making sure timings are, um, are absolutely on, on time, for want for a better word. But it's um, radio, you can get away with things a lot more for sure. Um, and, and also perhaps a little selfishly as well, Steve, from a, a commentator's point of view, um, you're much more important on the radio than you are as when you're on TV as well. Sure. You know, the, the pictures do the majority of the talking for you on television. On radio, you are absolutely paramount to, to the, the listening experience for sure. Um, 
and uh, like I said, it's a very, very different broadcast. Um, and I, I love to switch between both. I think it's, it's good to, to keep um, both sets of skills um, as fresh as possible. Um, and like I said, yeah, it, it, it's a real enjoyment of mine. I really, really enjoy radio. And the one annoyance I have with it, Steve, is that it's nowhere near as big in this country as it really should be. Um, sure. I think I might have said this to you before, and so apologies if I'm repeating myself, but um, in England, because of the restrictions uh, of the Premier League in terms of what you can and can't broadcast, and, and let's not forget as well, the other sort of 72 teams in the Football League in England as well, um, we, we don't have regional broadcasts. We're not that big of a country. We, we can't do it. Right. So, um, And because of the restrictions of, of what they can, what the TV networks can show in terms of the Premier League and the Football League, um, the best way to get um, the information from your team uh, instantaneously is through radio. And that's why regional and local radio are so big in the UK because for a lot of people, especially for the, the smaller teams, it's the only way people can can legitimately listen um, to, to what's going on with their team. So um, I, I will always be a big proponent of radio. Uh, I still can't believe for, for the sheer um, size of this country, I, I still can't believe it's it's not as big as it, as it should be, but it's getting there. Um, and, and I think um, it, it's only going to continue to become more important for sure. Um, especially with, you know, suggestions of a regional television perhaps going away at some stage and what have you. You know, I think um, mm-hmm. radio and the importance of it will, will continue to rise. So uh, I think I'm joining Sirius at the right time, to be honest. So it's um, it's great, Steve. I, I'm I'm very, very much looking forward to, to whatever that has to offer. But I'm just a radio nerd. I love radio. <laughs> uh, and, and the chaps um, who run School North will tell you that as well. And uh, I'm just uh, excited, yeah. So um, it's uh, it's good that the time of radio is once again upon us, in my opinion. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, speaking of audio content, Cal, I've been listening to uh, a podcast I would heartily recommend to anybody out there that's on uh, the, uh, Band of Brothers, which was an HBO show that aired 20 years ago. It's the 20th anniversary of Band of Brothers. Uh, fantastic miniseries. I always have felt one of its greatest contributions is being a miniseries. It's 10 episodes. It's very tight. It has to do with uh, following Easy Company in World War II from jumping in behind enemy lines on D-Day through the end of the war, basically. It's tremendous. It's I mean, it was sort of set the bar for prestige television early on there and uh this this podcast is sort of getting me back into it i haven't started rewatching yet cal but i uh i have i do want to start and it's uh, it's hosted by your friend and mine uh raj bennett from uh men in blazers which is which is great uh friend of the pod he was he was a guest uh here once upon a time and uh he's great he's a great interviewer uh you know it's it's obviously out of his sort of bailiwick of 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 uh sports and 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 stuff like that but he's just a very sensitive interview who does a lot of research which is a thing we learned about him as well uh, as he was preparing for the opening of allianz field and sort of hosting a live event here uh really good show cal uh have you ever watched uh band of brothers uh and if not why not and what's wrong with you yeah, I think I have. It was a long okay. time ago, but I think I have. Yeah, yeah. This this was it was released a long time ago, wasn't it? From what I can 20, 20 years. So oh, yeah, it's only twenty years. I wow. know <laughs> it's old. You probably didn't watch it live, I would imagine. But <laughs> uh, yeah, God, what, I would have been what twelve when it came out then. Yeah, I didn't um, even. I didn't have HBO. I had to wait for it to get onto DVD and stuff like that. So wow, I remember it being great because it, yeah, I, there was that sort of at that stage, Steve. There was a couple of really good sort of army shows movies out wasn't that the same time that saving private ryan was was making headlines yeah it was right 
it was right after Saving Private Ryan. It was it was executive produced by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks, mm. and Tom Hanks had been involved in Saving Private Ryan. So this was sort of following on that uh, in a lot of ways. And you know, like that's one of the things I talk about a lot on the podcast. Like for everybody who gets involved with this, you know, actors, writers, whoever. Like at, the, at what point was it like you found out that Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg wanted to work with you? on a world war two thing after saving private Ryan had happened. It was like, it's a lot of pressure, but a lot of fun. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great. It's a tremendous show. I recommend everybody watch it. Uh, let's, let's move to, let's talk about some of the events of this week, Cal, the all-star game announcement, which happened uh, just yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday. So this was uh, Tuesday. It was announced um, really exciting. I mean, I, you, you sort of felt like it was going to be, it was a foregone conclusion in some ways since Allianz field opened just based on, how well received the building has been, you know, the extent to which MLS has obviously been thrilled with the atmosphere that's been produced there. Um, it's, it's going to be really exciting. It's a little tough because there was a lot of buildup to it. And now we're just going to have to sit and wait. Uh, I'm almost more excited for all the stuff that's going to happen around the game. I mean, the game is going to be great, but you, if you think the, the amount of, you know, sort of events, community initiatives, uh, you know, all of that fun stuff that happens, uh, in a soccer community in the lead up to um, all-star game. That's the one of the things that I'm really excited about. Cal, what about you? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tremendous week, isn't it? And you're right. There's going to be a lot of build up to the actual game itself. And, and the game um, will, will be at the, the peak of interest to most people, but yeah, all the fun games that, that happen around the actual events itself will be great. Um, it's just going to be another spectacular chance to advertise the twin cities and, and the soccer culture that we have here. Um, and, and what it's become over the course of the last few years, particularly since it's come into Major League Soccer. But, um, you know, I, I'm excited, Steve, because I, I thought the last iteration of the All-Star game, and, and we must say we don't know the opponent yet. There's the assumption right. that it's the, the League MX All-Stars, but we don't know this yet. Um, I'm secretly hoping it is the League MX All-Stars because I thought it was the most competitive All-Star game that we've seen. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the last one, um, which was um, very well placed in, in Los Angeles, I thought it was a great rendition of the All-Star game. Um, it, because there was a competitive edge about it, I thought. Um, so I'm excited, Steve, because it, it, it really is a great chance to showcase what we have here in the Twin Cities. Um, I can't remember who said it, but I thought it was a really compelling sentence. Um, it may have been one of the mayors, I can't remember which one, but, but whoever it was had said, we weren't given the All-Star game, we had earned the All-Star game. And I completely agree with that. And a lot of that has to come down to the fans and, and what they have made Allianz Field on, on a match day because it is one of the most intimidating places to come. Uh, and I know that having spoken to a lot of different people, um, whether it's coaching staffs or players themselves or opposing broadcasters or what have you, um, it, it is a tremendous atmosphere. And um, I think I said to you before, there was that one time when I... I, in 2019, I, I closed my eyes for a, about five or six seconds um, and we were doing a TV broadcast. I, I closed my eyes for a couple of seconds and I thought to myself, you could genuinely be anywhere in the world right now. This atmosphere is, is so good. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's not out of place anywhere. Um, and the fans deserve a lot of credit for that, you know, um, because let's put it this way, Steve, you know, you, you can have a lovely stadium. You can have um, luxury in all its glory. You, you can have um, the pieces, but, but, um, it's nothing really unless the fans are there and, and it, they don't turn up. You know, it's nothing unless um, unless uh, it, it, sometimes you know these these stadiums. Um, you know, sometimes they, they look great, but they don't actually have a soul. Mm -hmm. um, I think Allianz Field found its soul a long time through through the voice of fans, to be honest, and they, they make it what it is on a match day for sure. Um, so you know, um, I, I think. Um, 
perhaps the the Twin Cities um, soccer community owes a thank you to to those people that are in it because I, I don't think honestly, Steve, I don't think without the fans, I don't think this happens. Yeah. Um, as, as I say, you know, um, it's a great chance to showcase the stadium, how lovely it is, and, and it is. It, it's one of, if not the very best in, in the country in terms of soccer-specific stadiums. Um, but without the fans, I, I don't think this happens. Um, and that's tremendous credit to them, for sure. So I can't wait, Steve. It's going to be a great occasion. Uh, and as I've said several times now, what a tremendous opportunity to showcase what we have here. Yeah, I think the the atmosphere obviously is a huge selling point, uh, as we, as we know, Cal, and and it, I think I would love to see Liga MX again. Um, I do think that was super fun, even as the quality of the league has gotten better. And you could imagine that, you know, going back to East West would, would also have a compelling amount of, of good play in it. I think there was just something fun about the sort of territoriality and the sort of bragging rights element that went into uh, Liga MX versus MLS. I also appreciate you kind of blew past it there, but I kind of appreciate that to know that you're intimidating opposing broadcast teams. Um, you know, you personally saying that broadcast teams have said it's intimidating. And I think a lot of that comes down to you and, and Kendra <laughs> being really tough and probably showing them their play. So um, I know that Red Auerbach for the Celtics back in the day used to turn off the heat in opposing teams' locker rooms uh, in order to make them uh, chilly up at uh, in Boston. So I assume you're doing that same kind of thing to make sure that opposing broadcast teams have as hard a time as possible. Um, let's talk, Cal, now about uh, FC Dallas, this game against FC Dallas, which was <sighs> – kind of a stinker i mean honestly just as a game to me like i as, as i watched it you know there's there's <laughs> i think i said on twitter there's scoreless draws are not inherently bad but this scoreless draw was bad like it wasn't it was not a very good game i thought to watch overall it felt like toward the end that minnesota united was sort of building into something and you sort of you can see it actually if you go back and you look at um you know the expected goal graph on Min on uh, mls you can see that like toward the end it looks like minnesota starts picking up some momentum and then reynoso got hit with that red card um and it sort of sucked all the air out of that attack uh also you know we're waiting on an appeal but you know it, presuming he is not going to play it, it takes uh, a lot of shine off of playing colorado this week um before we get to that, I'm sure, we're, and it's, again, it's one of these things where you hate for the main thing about a game to be a red card in the 89th minute that that affects the next game. You know, that it, it sort of has lingering hangover effects into going into Colorado. But what was your impression of the game uh, overall, how Minnesota United looked, you know, how they how they approached it and then, you know, how it ended? So, as you said, we'll, we'll get into the red card, I'm sure, in a bit, because I've got one or two thoughts about that. Um, the. The game itself, I thought, was was okay. Uh, I'm not perhaps sure it's as bad as people have suggested because the FC Dallas goalkeeper, Felipe Mejialaro, he he was actually awarded the man of the match um, mm -hmm. on on their side of the broadcast and and what have you. Um, and uh, I know I know Tyler Miller got it for for Minnesota side of the broadcast, but that would suggest that it was it was fairly busy in front of goal on on both ends. Um, but I, from a Minnesota point of view, I thought they did more than enough to win the game, to be honest. I think any points away in the Western Conference is, is decent. It's just the fact of the matter is, is given the circumstances now, three points would be the preference. Um, and I thought they did more than more than their fair share to earn three points. Um, I, th I thought Dallas could have um, certainly won it as well, that they had a couple of good saves. That that first save from Miller with inside the first two minutes or so is, is spectacular. Yeah. Um, but then again, he makes, um, he makes some really, really good other saves as well. But um, Mejilaro, I thought for Dallas, made some really good saves. Um, several of them quite unorthodox, but um, 
he, he seemed to somehow get his body behind behind the ball. There was that one in particular that stands out to me when he makes a save and the ball falls to uh, just towards the, the right-hand post mm-hmm. and it, it falls to Reynoso, who just he tried to flick it towards goal with the outside of his left foot and it was heading in. And all of a sudden, Mesulauro appears out of nowhere and, and makes a really, really, really great save. Um, as I said, unorthodox, but it was spectacular nevertheless. And um, So I thought both teams did did enough to, to claim a winner for sure, but I certainly thought in the second half, Minnesota United were, were much the better team um, and really should have won it. And, and again, Steve, it comes down to the age-old debate and complaints. Um, Minnesota don't have a, a natural goal scorer. They don't have somebody who you look at... Um, in the starting eleven, and say, right, that's the person that's going to score the goal today. If, if indeed Minnesota do score, that's the person who you'd put some money on. Um, and, and, and again, I thought that was evident. You know, um, Mesilaro uh, made some really good saves, um, several from Reynoso efforts, uh, one or two smothered saves from the likes of uh, Robin Lourdes. Um and um, I, I thought he he was really really. I thought he was really good. Uh, still only on loan, by the way, from, from Grêmio uh, in Brazil. Um, so I, I hasten to add, I, I think Dallas will make that move permanent before we know it. Um, I, I just thought it was fine, Steve. I thought it was okay. It wasn't particularly spectacular. It's never easy going down there, as we know. Um, so a, a point is never a bad thing, but it, I think it really yeah. should have been three. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was like a goalkeeper battle. It was like a pitcher battle in 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 Major League Baseball, where. I mean, and I, I really enjoy pitching. And so I sort of, I, I can let, I can enjoy things like a no hitter and stuff like that. But I mean, I understand for the average fan, it's just like, like great goalkeeping saves are awesome, but you also want to see a couple goals. And when all you've got at the end of the, the match is essentially both men of the match are the goalkeepers from each side. It's probably not a very exciting game, Cal overall. And, and I did really feel like, um, you know, again, as you're coming down to the end, you felt like Minnesota might, might get lucky in there and might, 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 might squeak one by, but as you're heading, you know, towards, you know, the uh, stoppage time, you're thinking, well, walking away with a point is okay. And then there was that red card. And I saw you get into it a little bit with Andrew Wiebe, a friend of, I'll call him a friend of the show. I've spoken to him. So I don't think he's been on our podcast, but, um, uh, but a good dude, but he, uh, he said he thought that was a justified red card. And I thought you had a fair point. Um, that what is Reynoso supposed to do? Like just stop playing or float above the pitch and not land. I mean, it's two guys going for the ball and it didn't, you know, it's one of those things that to me, the red card is extremely harsh. I have no problem with the yellow card in that situation. Um, It just seemed like, and it's sort of hard for me. I mean, I understand that I'm having a bias here because of Minnesota United. It just didn't look like a red card. Like if I saw that in a game and that happened to a Minnesota United player and it wasn't called, I don't think I'd be screaming for a red card. Um, so I don't know. G- give me your, give me your well-reasoned take um, about why this shouldn't have been a red card. I don't even think it's a foul, Steve. It, it's okay. we will see, we will see this happen again so many more times in the remaining seven games. I know some have got six games, some five, mm-hmm. whatever. We will see this happen again so many times um, throughout the remainder of the season. Uh, and it'll, you know, m- maybe the referee will blow the whistle and say, oh, there's a player hurt. So let, let's stop playing. And, and that will be that. It's just one of those things that happens in, in a game of football. Like people clash. People clip each other. People step on each other. Um, I, I just, I couldn't believe it, Steve. When, when, um, when, when I, I so I saw obviously with us doing the game off off monitor, it, it's difficult. But 
when I saw that the game had stopped, I, I thought, right, well, obviously, um, Schoen has has come off the worst uh, in, a, in a clash between two players and he might need a bit of treatment and that'll be it. Um, and then when I, I got a, a note from my producer um, saying that they were reviewing something and I thought, there's nothing to review. What? <laughs> okay, well, let, let's have another look. Maybe there is something that, that I might have missed. Okay. And then I got told that they were reviewing a red card for Reynoso. I, my mind was baffled. I, I just thought to myself, there's no red card in here at all. Mm-hmm. It's never a red card, Steve. And what we are in danger of doing now is overcomplicating things. Um, and, and for me, like I said, th- this is going to happen so many more times from now to the end of the season in, in every uh, game in Major League Soccer. Players step on each other, players kick each other, players get black and blue toes, you know, every single game. It just happens. It is what it is. That there's no malice in it. There's, there's nothing to suggest there was any element of a stamp at all. Reynoso was simply just stretching for the ball. Both players were doing exactly the same. It just so happens one player got there before the other. The other came a little bit late um, and, and stepped on a player's, player's ankle. Um it's not a red card. It's not a red card. And and I, I stopped going back and forth with, with Weeby because I just thought, it, we're not going to agree on yeah, this, but, right. but I, I just thought, we're overcomplicating it now. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. And and by the way, it, it, it wasn't the most ridiculous red card of the weekend as well because um, Estevez of, of Colorado was then sent off uh, the night after for Colorado uh, against the Sounders when all he was doing was just executing a double drag back and turning away from a player. Joao Paulo goes down like he's been shot, mm-hmm. um, which for me, the player should be done for embellishment there as well, by the way. Um, and maybe he felt a little clip somewhere, but not, not to warrant the reaction that was given. And all of a sudden, Estevez is sent off. And I thought, what's happening right now? He, the players can't touch each other now. It's ridiculous. So for, for me, the, the Reynoso red card and the Estevez one, both of them need to be rescinded, absolutely. But... I just don't think they will because I think the, ref- the professional referees organization and everybody else that's involved in these decisions, I think ultimately they will look to, to defend um, the referees. Um, and that's fine. I understand that. But let's have some accountability. You know, like it's for me, we'll, we'll concentrate on the Renoso one. But for me, it's just not a red card, Steve. Never, ever is it a red card. It's just a simple coming together. And all right, one person has got hurt from it. But there's. There's nothing in there that suggests there's any intent. There's no malice. There's all of the above. There's nothing there. And, and like I said, for me, I'm just worried now that we are starting to overcomplicate and overthink things now. Because for me, Steve, that, that, here's what I'll say. That's only a red card in Major League Soccer. Everywhere right. else around the world, that's never a red card. And, and like I said, I think I might have even said it on commentary, Steve. When I saw that it, the red card was given, I was absolutely stunned. Um, and, and, you know, I was having a conversation with, with Kendra about it actually this morning whilst we were watching training uh, up here in Blaine. And, and you know, we're, we're both sort of confused in terms of, you know, neither of us think it should be a red card. But given the language nowadays, is it a red card? Um, and so I see the argument there. But, but in my opinion then, well, the language needs to change because it's not a red card. It's never, ever, ever a red card. And like I said, I think right now in Major League Soccer in particular, we are overthinking things and common sense needs to prevail. I'll be surprised if this is rescinded just because, as I said, I, I think um, the powers that be want to back the referees, which I understand. Um, but I, I, for the, the situation that occurred 
for what's to come as well, given the importance of, of the game against Colorado. Um, I just think it was, it was unnecessary. I, I just didn't think the red card was needed at all. And like I said, for me, Steve, it's not even a foul. It, it, it really yeah. isn't. I, I understand the referee stopping the game and saying, right, players hurt. We've, we've had a coming together. Um, you know, maybe I understand, okay, possibly a Dallas free kick. Okay, fine. Um, but at the same time, like I said, for, for me, it's not even a free kick. It, it's, it's certainly not a red card whatsoever. And, and my concern is now is that we are starting to overthink things and overcomplicate things when really there's no need. Yeah, it's, you know, again, my, my experience, Cal, of, of, of soccer is mostly limited to MLS. I mean, this is by far the most, uh, the league I've watched the most um, in, in my life. Um, I've, you know, again, my, my soccer career was, was over. I hung up my cleats at the age of 21 or something like that, basically <laughs> at the end of college intramural season, my senior year champs, by the way, 98, um, my intramural team, that was it. I decided to go out on a high note. Um, so, you know, like I, I am not well-versed in the ins and outs of what everything a red card is supposed to be a yellow card. I often find myself looking at, at, at plays and, and saying like, I'm just, I don't know um, the letter of the law specifically enough to tell this, to tell what this should be to me. I mean, I feel like the intent of the idea of a red card for me is either malice of forethought. Somebody is doing something uh, in a, a, with an emotional uh, content, which is aimed at hurting someone. That's certainly a red card. Or, <clears throat> you know, when you have a player, when there's a fight for the ball and one of the players has decided that they can't get it, you know, via something that happens within the game and they, they, they interrupt the other player in a way that is outside the spirit of simply going for the ball. Um, now that's sometimes a yellow card as well. I mean, I think you see that a lot when there's, and then there's a question of like denial of goal scoring opportunities and things like that when somebody has a free lane, but you'll see it when defenders are like, I'm about to get beaten. I need to get this guy down. And it's a yellow card. And we're like, that's, that's how that works. If it's excessive, maybe that's a red card to me. I I'm with you, Cal. Like this is two guys going for the ball. It's a matter of timing. There's nothing, you know, sometimes I look at like when you see guys like boxing people out and you see that they're not even looking at the ball anymore and they're just elbowing somebody, then you're like, okay, well you're, you're not focusing on the ball, but Reynoso isn't like looking down at Sean and being like, I'm going to get on this guy. Like it's just going for the ball. And to your point, which I think you made on, uh, on Twitter, you know, like they didn't even, nobody even called for it afterward, you know, like the, it just played on, you know, and like every time something like this happens, soccer players are always waving their hands. Like, Hey, it's a card. And like, I don't, nobody on the Rapids was, and then it had to just come back. It just, it felt like overstepping your jurisdiction, to do that. And I think, again, it's the problem is like, how does this keep moving the window for what we're going to review and what it encourages in terms of play and what it encourages in terms of, you know, uh, especially more to, to your point about the Colorado play, like embellishment or how bad things look when you replay them and all this stuff like that. And like guys sort of going out of their way to make things seem worse, which already happens. Um, is this, are we going down a bad path uh, in the future to more of this? And is it just going to slow the game up? And I think that would be, that would be too bad if that's how it happens, Cal. I just don't even know what players can or can't do anymore, Steve. Um, and like I said, the, the two that happened this weekend with Reynoso and Estevez, um, were, were probably two of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my life. I've been watching football for a long time, Steve. Um, <laughs> I, I don't recall um, any worse decisions because the players are literally just, they're in motion and it's not like the foot's high or anything along those lines. Like, there's not even any cleats exposed, yeah. uh, especially with the Renoso one. Like, I, I, 
it, it was just baffling to me. It really was. So, like I said, you know, I think that's cost Minnesota United dearly, and particularly given at that stage of the game as well, because there was momentum behind Minnesota, and I felt as though there was there was at least one more big chance for them. Um, I'm not saying they would have scored it, but but I, I I'm suggesting with Reynoso on the field, there was momentum behind them. He wanted the ball at feet. He was making things happen. And I think there was genuinely one more opportunity. Um, and obviously, when they went down to 10 men, um, they had to bunker in. They had to say, right, well, we we can't do much now from an attacking right. standpoint. Let's bunker in and let's take the points and go home. And, and that's a shame that it had to end like that because it shouldn't have. But um, it's it's frustrating, Steve, because like I said right now, I can't imagine being a player. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be scared to touch anybody if I was a player now. It, mm-hmm. It's as I said, it, it's it's becoming a bit much now. Um, and at what point, you know, at what point do we get a yellow card for, for touching somebody on the shoulder or something? You know, it's just, it just feels the way it's going. It's ridiculous. The physicality is, is going out of the game, and, and that's not the way it should be. So we'll wait and see. But I think you can tell I'm agitated by this. I yeah. just, it was really, it really, really annoyed me. I, and I just now Minnesota, as I said, unless it's rescinded, which I'll be very surprised with. Um, just, just because of what I've said earlier on about the, the, the people at the top backing the referees. Um, now Minnesota's uphill task um, with an abundance of players missing on international duty against Colorado, now it gets even steeper. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we're going to go talk about uh, after, the, after this, uh, this quick word from a sponsor. If your ankle gets stepped on and injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Align Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. All right, let's talk about this uh, game against Colorado. Obviously, quite an important one. A lot hinges on that that red card appeal. Hopefully, we find out today what's going on with that. Um, but obviously, already we were going to be missing international players. Minnesota United is, is missing Michael Boxall, uh, missing Roman Matanier, um, missing uh, Robin Lud, missing Yuka Raitala. Um, missing Yuka, obviously, he has not played a lot recently. But if you're missing other guys, it's like when you are missing another depth option, that also is a problem. Um, let's talk a little bit about, let's just move to, to, to tactically what you see as far as adjustments without those international players. Um, and then adjustments beyond that, both for if Reynoso can play and if Reynoso can't play. So let's just start. How? What do you think is the adjustment for without international players? Are they? Are we still going to stick with the four-two-three-one? It seems like Adrian Heath, if he can at all at home, wants to play that that formation. And who is going to slot into those positions? Okay, so first and foremost, I think you know that the back line will, will be what it is. It's fairly self-explanatory. I would assume DJ Taylor would come in at right back. Um, with Brent Coleman alongside Bakaydi Bassi and Chase Gasper at left back, no reason to change Tyler Miller either. It's really in front of them what what could potentially change. And yes, Steve, it's either going to be a four two three one or a four three three. I would assume, given the the absentees. Um, mm-hmm. My hope is that Hassani Dotson is back. Um, as I said, I'm up here in Blaine on on Wednesday and, and have watched him train in full here today. So I'm going to assume that he's available. Um, so if that is the case, then then what I would do if I was in charge, Steve. I would go Alonso and Dotson in the in the. Uh, I would go um, Trap and Dotson, beg your pardon, in the centre of midfield, um, and then I would go um, Fragapane on the left. I would go Finlay on the right. I would actually go Unu underneath a centre forwards, um, and I think that centre forward will probably be Fernando Adi, um, which I don't think is a is a bad thing. Um, I, I think. Um, 
he gives Minnesota a different way to play. I, I know he can be fairly statuesque at times, um, but I think if you if you give him a chance to play with the three that I've just mentioned behind, uh, I think that could could work. Um, the other option, of course, is is Juan Agudelo up, up front as well, who who um, I, I could see being a, a perfectly legitimate option as well. In terms of a four-three-three, Steve, um, you would say it would be Dotson, Trap, and Alonso in the centre of midfield. Um, with Fragapane on the left, Finlay on the right, and Unu up top. Um, but that does strike me as being a little a little limited compared to the 4-2-3-1. I think you get much more in that formation uh, than you do with the 4-3-3, particularly when you're at home as well. And it's a game that Minnesota United could really do with winning as well if they have any aspirations of being a top-four side. So um, th- those are the ones that I could think of at the moment, Steve. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, the, the international absentees of put Minnesota in a bit of a pickle um, and, and look Colorado will, will have players missing as well um, I don't think Eleanor Costa is going to be available for them I don't think Mark Anthony Kay is going to be available for them as well so, so they're going to be slightly short-handed as well mm-hmm. um, but I think regardless I mean I spoke to Adrian Heath yesterday during the, the training session at Alliansfield which was great by the way great to see so many fans out um, yeah. so many season ticket holders at Alliansfield that day um, and he had said to me he doesn't really want to talk about the players that are unavailable because sure. we can't do much about it. Let's talk about the players that are available. And once again, and he said this before, Steve, once again, he has said and suggested that these are MLS players that we have. These are players that are more than capable and they are players that, that we've brought into the football club for a reason. So um, whilst me personally, I, I would expect there to be a little bit of a drop off in, in quality, particularly if Reynoso is not available. I, I, I agree with Adrian. I, I still think that, that there's, there's more than enough here to get the best through Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I assume so Cal, if, 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 if Reynoso can play, if, if the, if the Carter's rescinded, would you imagine him obviously at the number 10 and then do you put Unu or, or Adi to start up top above him in that case? Me personally. Um, God, that's a tough one. That is Steve. I, I think, um, all signs would probably point towards Unu. Um, I think that's what Adrian would do. Um, if it was me, I, I would, I would be tempted to put Addy in there for sure, just because of the way that he can, he can hold the ball up and, and the players can can play off of him. Um, and then you've got the option if it doesn't work to bring Unu on and sure. Agudelo as well. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Unu starts up front uh, if Reynoso is indeed available. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's a conundrum. I mean, I mean, I think that the. You know, obviously, Fernando Adi has not looked great so far, um, but, you know, it's you sort of hope that he's the kind of player where, um, you know, it's sort of like Kai Kamara, where, you know, he didn't really ever get going for Minnesota United, but you just hope that like, you know, you just throw the throw the dice and you're like, okay, you hope that he's he's a big guy. He's an experienced scorer. If he gets the chance, he's got a pretty good shot of putting it away. And that one time he puts it away could make the difference between winning and losing a game. And that could mean you know, it could come down to home field advantage, whether you win a game or not. So, you know, roll the dice with him out there. Um, you got to keep playing him. You don't have a ton of, ton of options. I think it would be interesting to see the four, two, three, one, you know, I, f- I think you're right that you would see maybe Unu in that sort of uh, 10 slash nine role there. And then that also leaves you the option with Adi up top of, 
if you get a lead, if you want to hold it, if you feel like you need something different, you could simply take Adi off for another midfielder and move to a 4-3-3 and leave Unu in the middle there. So, you know, it's got a sort of portability to it. Um, I'd love to be able to see Hassani Dotson out there again. You know, like I've really yeah. missed seeing his play. I thought Dotson and Trap have been sort of the most consistently good you know, dual pivot we've seen so far, although Alonzo and has done fantastic, especially over this last little bit, you know, he's, he's obviously older, you know, he needs more rest. Maybe he can't go uh, as many games in a row, you know, but, uh, but he's looked really good. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens. Like if they would like, if, if Asani is available, you know, obviously we've seen him play right back as well. Um, you know, so it wouldn't be out of, out of the realm of possibility for him to be at right back. Um, that also affords you again, that ability to move guys around without necessarily taking off multiple guys, because you could move, you know, again, if you add a midfielder and you could, you could move him into the midfield and put on DJ Taylor and take off Fernando Adi, if you want to do that. So you are sort of keeping guys in there, you're keeping a consistency, you're keeping whatever they've been building on the field together. Uh, that could still happen. It's, um, it's going to be a tough game. Colorado have looked really good. Um, you know, I went back, I was working on storylines this week and looking at Robin Fraser's tenure as, as, as a coach. And it's, it's kind of crazy to look back and see going from, you know, Anthony Hudson, uh, basically getting, uh, fired after sort of saying like, this team sucks essentially. I mean, in so many words, he was basically like, we don't have a very good roster. Um, and then, uh, Robin Fraser taking over, with not a wildly different roster and, and no. doing a fantastic job. I mean, I got to say, I think that Robin Fraser is up there for one of the best coaches in MLS simply based on his ability to get the most out of these players. I mean, I, and they have talent, they, but it's not like they've brought in a bunch of DPs to sort of make up that, that space. I mean, obviously I'll say Anthony Hudson was dealing with the, the end of the Tim Howard era, which was, uh, which was a tough era. It's tough to make your goalkeeper a DP and that'd be your only DP. Um, but moving on from that, they've obviously had young talent come in. They have good, they have good older veterans, uh, Colin Warner. It's great to see him out there, you know, as, as, as a former Minnesota United player, still out there mixing it up and playing and everything like that. They, it's a great mix. And I'm sure as you're a fellow member of the Holy Midfielder Appreciation Society, there's not enough you can say about how great Jack Price is just as, as a foundation for that team. Um, but let's talk a little, let's focus a little bit on Robin Fraser. Just what a tremendous job he's done over the last couple of years. Wouldn't you say, Cal? Yeah, he's been spectacular, Steve. Um, I wondered when he was going to get an opportunity. Uh, he was assistant manager at Toronto FC for several years um, when Toronto were exceptional under Greg Vanney. Um, and prior to that, his his last head coaching role was at Chivas USA, which tells you how long ago it was. So I, I did wonder, I did wonder when he was going to get a chance again. He's one of a, a handful of assistant managers who I always assume would get a chance at some stage. So um, good that, that Colorado gave him the opportunity. He had some prior connections, having having played in Colorado in the past. But um, the, the record is, is outstanding, Steve. Thirteen five and nine this season. Um, six away wins as well, by the way. Yeah. So. Um, he has them playing a certain way. And also, by the way, it's funny you mentioned designated players. Um, they have one designated player on the roster, Eunice Namley, who has been in and out of the team. So for the majority of the campaign, they've actually played, or at least started, with no DPs on, on yeah. the, the 11. Um, I don't know what Robin Fraser has done. I, I legitimately, as you, you quite rightly said as well, the roster has, has not been overhauled. Um, it's essentially the same team. Um, to the one that, that Anthony Hudson said wasn't very good. And when you look at it on paper, Steve, it's, it's difficult to actually disagree with him when you look at it and you say, yeah, there's, there's, not, there's not any major threats here. There's, what there is is there's a solid foundation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when you've got Kellen Acosta in the centre of midfield and you've got Jack Price as well, um, I think the only trade that they've done has been Mark Anthony Kay, the only major trade they've done, uh, which, which you know, obviously he's a very good player. I think he lost his way a little bit. I think he, I agree with somebody who said um, he, he may very well have let his standards drop a little bit after coming back from the injury. Um, I know that can be difficult um, towards the, the latter stages of his LAFC career. Um, but um, that, that's only, that's been the, the major one that they've done. Um, so it's not changed really a lot at all. Um, and I, I know they got thumped at, at Seattle um, because they went with a new formation, at, um, a 5-2-3 in transition, a little bit different. But um, I, I've been very surprised at how compact they've been. Uh, I've been very impressed with the solidity of the team. Um, they're a good team defensively, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they do resemble somewhat... Um, <laughs> they do resemble Robin Frazier as a player somewhat, sort of no-nonsense, no slightly blue-collar, you know. And, um, and I have no problem with, with the way that they're doing things. I, I think it's great. And uh, for me, certainly the surprise package of, of the season in terms of the Western Conference, I think Nashville probably in the East. But yeah. um, in terms of the West, it, it has to be Colorado. There's nobody who... who I, I had Colorado just about squeaking into the playoffs at the start of the season, even if they were going to. So um, I think Robin Frazier deserves so much credit. And... and we're due to speak to him at some stage over the course of the next few days. And that's going to be one of my main questions is what have you done? How have you done it? Because the <laughs> roster is not that different. So, yeah. you know, it's tremendous credit to him. He's been great. He has worked so well within the limitations of that franchise because they, they don't have, well, I'm sure Stan Kroenke has an abundance of money to spend, but he doesn't often <laughs> give it to Colorado Rapids. And, and yeah. they, they've, they've worked on, on a, a tighter budget than a lot of people in the Western Conference, particularly this year. He's done a great job, Steve. He really, really has. Um, and what, what, what it does now is, um, given their circumstances, that they've been in the top four for the majority of the season, I, I would assume they would finish there. Um, there's a little gap now between third and fourth. Um, and I, I would assume they would come to, to Allianz Field. I, I am actually quite interested to see their approach, Steve, because after the, the, the thumping that they received at Seattle, do the players want to react straight away? Or is Robin Fraser saying, actually, we're, we're quite set now and we're, we're happy to finish where we are. So let's just go somewhere like Minnesota and let's just play for a point and let's do five at the back again mm-hmm. um, with, with the three centre-halves. Um, and, and we'll try and win our home games. But actually on the road, we, we don't need to press. We, we don't need... Um, to really force the issue because we're, we're okay with what we have right now. So I do wonder, is, is it going to be another another afternoon of frustration for Minnesota where we've seen before where teams come into Allianz Field and they pack it in and, and sometimes they have little to no interest in in, a, in attacking um, uh, only from a counter-press, if anything. So uh, I'm interested to see it, Steve, but but it, that wouldn't surprise me if that's the approach that they have because, as I said, I, I think Robin Frazier given the original expectations, um, at least I'm assuming the original expectations for that franchise at the start of the campaign, they're probably more than happy with where they are. And it would take something catastrophic for them to finish outside the top four now. Um, so I would assume if, if they are um, happy with what they have, they'll probably come to Allianz Field, play a, a back five and look to counter-press, uh, look to frustrate and irritate um, and be okay with it. And that's obviously going to be frustrating for Minnesota United, who will have to find a way through. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's. I, I'm sure, Cal, when you talk to Robin at whatever point you do, I'm sure he's going to be aggravatingly humble and say, like, yeah, you know, I didn't. <laughs> it's like coaches who are successful like that. They won't like, like they won't tell you what happened. Like, <laughs> they'll just they'll just sort of like brush it off. Um, when I, in fact, really want to know actually what you have been doing um, to, yeah, to accomplish that. Yeah, I mean, you know, they haven't had any real mark. Obviously, Mark Anthony K. You're right. I think was sort of the closest they had to a marquee uh, move. They they made a bunch of smart moves. You know, like I can't remember exactly when everybody moved, but obviously making the lawless Abubakar loan permanent uh Abubakar has been great uh Austin Trusty Keegan Rosenberry that defense is, is is very good guys like you know they have like Andre Shinyashiki who uh started hot uh you know has not been playing as much recently but it could still cause trouble Cole Bassett another young player who's fantastic who sometimes comes off the bench um it, it seems like they've got a bunch of guys who have bought into that and they're, you know, okay, if I have to come off the bench, I have to come off the bench. Um, and they're maximizing the guys that they get, uh, Cal, which is really great, which is really great to see. Um, unfortunately, I agree with you. It's probably not going to be a super fun game because I think that is one of the things I obviously we've seen, we talked about this Minnesota United's troubles with sort of creativity, uh, sort of, uh, breaking down, um, a defense to find, they find shots. They're just not putting their shots away. So I think increasingly teams, are feeling like the strategy is to just play for that point. And if you get lucky because Minnesota United feel like desperate to get that win, then maybe you get, you get a point, you can, you can get three on the road. If that, if that happens, um, I hope it's more fun than that. Uh, I would love to watch a fun game of soccer. I enjoy a fun game of soccer, Cal. Well, look, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fine, Steve. I'm not suggesting it's going to be drab. I I just, I think there's going to be chances. I just think it's going to be extremely tense. I think it's going to be really, really tense because, you know, like I said, everybody knows Minnesota United want to get into the top four. There will be emphasis on them to to press and to push, um, regardless if, if they're the home team or not. Now that they're in that situation and that predicament where, where they need to start picking up wins on yeah. a regular basis, head, heading into the postseason. Um, so the emphasis will be on Adrian Heath's side for sure. Um, I just think the atmosphere is going to be really tense. I, I think it's I think it's going to be a really tight game, Steve. I, I can see it being a one nil, a two one type game. Um, I think it's going to be really tense. I think there's going to be some moments of nerves as well. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I think I know what you're saying, but I, but I think it's going to be entertaining regardless. I really do. I, I just think it's not going to be as free flowing as usual. For I sure. Don't think, I don't think it's going to be a five four game. Let's put it that way. Right. I think it's going to be a lot tighter. And, and yeah. as I said, for me, it just screams at being a one nil slash two one type game. I can really see that. But I think it's going to be fun. For fans of Curb Your Enthusiasm, other like tense, uh, difficult shows, maybe this is what you're going for. Yeah, I, it's it's going to be tight. William Yarbrough and and Tyler Miller are, are both near the top of the goals against, uh, uh, you know, per game uh, in terms of not allowing goals. I believe Yarbrough has 11 shutouts. Tyler has 10 shutouts. So, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I do enjoy a tight, I can, I, like I said, scoreless draws are not inherently bad. I think I think there's something to be said for games that are one nil, nil nil. I think those are those could be really good games. Um, but the scoreline often doesn't let you know which one they were. So, right. And also, by the way, Steve, you, you, you just reminded me of this as well. Whilst we have the opportunity, I thought Tyler Miller was desperately unlucky not to be a part of this national team roster. I think yep. he's been superb over the course of the last couple of months. And yeah. and quite frankly, I think he's having a better season and is a better goalkeeper than Sean Johnson. Uh, and I don't mean to be disparaging to Sean Johnson because the same could be said about William Yarbrough as well. I, I think he was unlucky not to be. Maybe they were considered, but they were unlucky not to be in the final roster. I think the the, the two goalkeepers that the United States will have moving forward will, will more than likely be Zach Stefan and Matt Turner. But that third spot, I think, is certainly open for debate. And um, I mean, it's it's obviously good for Minnesota that that they won't be, be losing Tyler Miller. Um, 
but I, um, I, I thought he and, and William Yarborough, for that matter, were, were very unfortunate not to be in that roster. Yeah, I agree. And I think that uh, it, it's, it's, I sort of had a moment of revelation in talking to Tyler and uh, Dr. Greg Folsom, who was on. They were talking about uh, rehabbing uh, Tyler's injury and sort of the process of that. And Tyler talked a lot about how before this injury, he would often uh, have issues with his back being sore and things like that after games. And coming back from this injury has made him reevaluate how he approaches his craft. And he feels like better able to recover and everything like that in some ways probably has better athleticism because his, his posture is better. His foot position is better. Like all that stuff that's to help prevent injury has maybe made him an even better goalkeeper. And I like, it's hard mm-hmm. to argue against that based on this. I mean, he's one goal. He's one shutout shy of the record that Vito Manone set when he was goalkeeper of the year for Minnesota United. Now, obviously it's not all up to the goalkeeper. Um, and the, the defense plays a role in those, in those shutouts. Uh, Minnesota United may not make, you know, if they miss the playoffs. There's no way Tyler Miller ends up being goalkeeper of the year probably, but I got to say, we might come to the end of this season. You know, there's there's seven games left, I think, at this point. Um, and he's if he gets two more shutouts, he's going to beat Vito Manone's record for shutouts in a season. And it's like, it'd be kind of hard to argue that this is maybe the best season we've had from Minnesota United goalkeeper overall, if that happens. Statistically, I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I still think Vito Manone was, was on a different level in terms of what, what he gave Minnesota United. But um, yeah, I would agree statistically completely, Steve. But um, just, just going back to, to the game as well, Steve, I just realized as well that, that you know, Minnesota-Colorado was the only game on Sunday. Mm. Um, and when you look at the, the fixtures and you look at how many uh, games certain teams have played, this is the in-hand game for Minnesota. So the majority have, have played, I think it's 28, I think. Um, yeah. Minnesota have played 27, I believe. Um, so this is the game in hand. This is the chance to to very much get back amongst uh, the conversation, if you will. And I think with Portland Timbers going on somewhat of a surge, it's going to be difficult, but um, in this league, anything can happen. Um, so I think um, uh, this, this I, I seem to have christened every game as the biggest game of the season over the course of the last, <laughs> the yeah. last couple of weeks, Steve. But, but it's, it's difficult not to because <laughs> it is legitimately every, every week we go about um, and every week we go further ahead, it, it, it is the biggest game of the season. So, yep. uh, But I think it's going to be tight. It's going to be intense. Um, and, and both goalkeepers, I think, will, um, will, will have a say in, in what the scoreline is. But uh, I can just see it being a 1-0 or a 2-1, Steve. I really can. And I can see it being unpleasant at times. I can see it being tight. Um, and I love those kind of games. I love those right. games, Steve, where everything matters there's so yeah. much on the line I can't wait Steve I'm really excited for Sunday just get your get your spittoons ready so you can chew your, your nails off and, uh, during this game <laughs> so thanks for joining us for the 160th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC you can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and you can follow me at Steve Entress apologies as always to Richard Wagner and remember there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are.